Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Conflict is not in itself a bad thing. Conflict can help build community and help people face and address in a clear and conscious way the many difficult choices that life brings to them. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real-world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. These talks will include both career advice as well as a look at the industry itself and its practices. Well, hello, Women Who Code. I'm Noelle Noterman, and I am excited to talk to you today about an introduction to conflict fluency. So currently, a little background on me, um, I am a senior engineer, but I have previously been a full stack developer and a DevOps engineer before that. But way, way, way back, I actually originally studied classical music and foreign languages. And after being a professional musician for a while, I became a teacher and then worked in community and student leadership development, which is where I first became really excited about studying conflict fluency and also learning about mediation. And even though I've worn many hats, uh, actually, I still am a professional musician in my spare time, as well as a volunteer community mediator, so I haven't really taken those hats off, but all of those roles have had a common passion for me of effective communication and making people's lives a little bit better, if possible. And I love conflict, which is maybe a funny thing to say after saying that I want to make people's lives better, but it's true. I really do. I love it because I think it's an area where we can all learn and grow and that the journey never really stops. I truly believe that engaging in healthy and productive conflict can directly improve our lives and our well-being, not to mention it being a positive force in society. So yeah, if you ever talk to me for more than five minutes, you'll see that I'm way too excited about this topic. So let's get to it. We're going to talk first a little bit about getting to a core definition of conflict itself and then how conflict fluency skills can help. One of the important aspects when thinking about conflict is that we tend to associate it very negatively in our mind, right? If I asked you to think about some words that come to mind when I say conflict, you might say something like scary or avoid or overwhelming. Uh, we tend to view conflict as a really negative thing, but I hope to highlight why it can have value. So I'm going to read a little bit from an article called The Dynamics of Conflict Resolution by a conflict scholar named Bernard Mayer. Conflict is not in itself a bad thing. Conflict can help build community and help people face and address in a clear and conscious way the many difficult choices that life brings to them. Working through a conflict can be an important bonding and growth producing experience. So seen in that light, it, it doesn't sound too bad. It sounds pretty good actually. But the, the thing to remember here is that we're talking about conflict that is managed well. And a lot of times the examples that, that we've had in our own lives, our own experiences, is conflict that is poorly managed, um, that doesn't, doesn't really go well. But conflict that is managed well in a healthy and productive way can be a valuable step toward meaningful change. 
some benefits of conflict, right? To think about some of the benefits. Those include seeing other people's perspectives, building skills to better work through conflict in the future, paving the way for better communication overall and moving forward, building deeper, richer relationships, having both parties get their needs met, and having open and honest communication. And who doesn't want that? So I hope you think conflict is starting to sound a little bit better than maybe you thought in the past. But really, what is it? Conflict happens when human difference becomes an issue. So differences are natural, right? We have many, many of them, and we generally go about our own separate ways. We don't really worry about it. In fact, on a regular basis, we move in and out of tiny conflicts all day long, internal and external ones. We don't even really think about it. Once you start to gain some awareness, you'll realize that, that you're doing it all day long. But really, it's not a problem until there's an issue there, right? One person feels unheard. One person wants the other person to change their perspective or their behavior. And so to help better understand conflict, to deconstruct it a little bit, we're going to take a, a three-dimensional approach or three-pronged approach. And we're going to think about conflict at the level of perception, feeling, and action. So perception are sort of the facts of a conflict. Um, and also that conflict can be internal or it can be external, meaning it can be just inside yourself or it can be with another person or another group. And then the feeling aspect, this is the emotional connection that we have. And if we feel like there's a conflict, then there actually is, right? If we feel that, then there is. And I really want you to remember that, that conflict shows that we care deeply about things. And when we care deeply, our emotions can get involved and get activated and things can escalate. So then the action component of conflict, or sometimes called the behavioral one, these are the steps that we take to reveal or present a conflict to the other person or group. And it's also what we do to get our own needs met while working through conflict. Let's take a couple of simple examples. There is an open parcel of land, an open lot near where you live. And a developer wants to create a retail space that could bring jobs and tax revenue to the area. But a local advocacy group wants a green space for the community. So we can see that there's some incompatibility there, incompatible needs and wants, although they might both have the value of the community's best interests in mind. They might have that shared value. They're just approaching it in a different way. Or let's take an internal example. You got that new uh, software engineering job that you wanted. Congratulations. And now you've got a little bit of extra money and you finally want to build your emergency savings. But you have been living on a pretty tight budget for a while and you also really, really want a new device of some kind. You feel like you should splurge a little bit. So which path do you choose? It's an example of an, an internal conflict. And we don't generally just jump into a full-blown conflict. There's usually a path or a journey. 
And we often say that that starts with an incident of some kind, something happens. And then we can follow those three facets, perception, feeling, and action. And sometimes we end up in conflict, but other times we don't. So let's take a different example. Let's imagine driving a car and another driver, another car cuts you off in traffic. That's the incident. That's a thing that happened. You're driving, someone cuts you off. What is your perception of that? Well, one perception is they did that on purpose. And a feeling that might flow from that perception would be anger. I'm angry about that. They did that on purpose and I'm angry. And then there's an action, a behavioral level, right? A reaction in this case. I'm gonna honk my horn or I'm gonna cut them back off in traffic. And at that point, we certainly are in, in the path of conflict, from incident to conflict. But if we look at these facets of conflict, we have the opportunity to interrupt the development of a conflict at every stage. So let's take the incident again. You're driving, someone cuts you off. But this time, your perception is, it was probably an accident and they didn't see me. That's your perception versus they did it on purpose. And then your feeling from that is, ah, I let it go, I'm okay. And your action is that, ah, I decide to drive home safely. So in that path, we're not in a conflict. Incident was the same. We went through the same facets of, uh, of conflict, but we didn't end up in a conflict because we interrupted it at this point at the level of perception at the very beginning. But you can also move between those things. So again, driving in the car, someone cuts you off in traffic, they did that on purpose. And that's usually my perception, to be honest, just based on my personality. But then at the feeling level, you say, you know what? I got my tunes on. I got my coffee. I'm having a good morning. It's going to be okay, right? I'm going to let it go. So you've interrupted it at the level of feeling. Or maybe you're not in a space to do that at that morning. You're not having a great morning. Somebody cuts you off. They did that on purpose. I'm really angry about it. Maybe you say a couple of words under your breath, but then you still choose to interrupt the conflict at the action point or the behavior point. You say, you know what? I'm the better person. I'm the better driver. I am going to ignore it and drive home safely. So now you've interrupted that conflict at the action level. So we're never stuck on a path of conflict. And in fact, something can usually almost always be done about a conflict. Not that it will always be resolved. That's not reality, but that we can choose a productive response that can help move conflict toward a constructive path. Women Who Code empowers DEI in advocacy. I am Samaria Rose, Chief People and Inclusion Officer here at Women Who Code. Women Who Code empowers DEI and advocacy through our commitment to our mission and who we are at the core. Women Who Code is committed to creating an inclusive community where technologists gain the skills, network, and knowledge needed to level up. We're equally committed to raising awareness and speaking out against the bias, inequity, and injustice that diverse women face in their careers and in their lives every day. We are advocates for our community. Women Who Code 
empowers DEI and advocacy at the core of our brand by being a people-first organization always. After the killing of George Floyd, Women Who Code created a space at our largest global conference for our community to speak out, educate one another, and reflect on the impact to our community. This moment stays with me as we continue to advocate for equity and work to elevate a culture of inclusion in thought and practice. Women Who Code never loses sight of what is happening around the world. And that allows us to empower our community to support DEI and advocacy initiatives. So let's imagine a spark or lighting a match. I mean, let's do a visual analogy here, lighting a match. And you can do something with that match. You can light a candle in the darkness or another path. You could take that match and you could light a campfire uh, for camaraderie and warmth and hopefully s'mores. Or you can take that match and you can release the dragons, right? You can go scorched earth, bring out the flamethrower and just let it all go. And I don't mean that as entirely as a joke. I want to be clear about that. Sometimes we do choose to escalate a conflict intentionally in order to give it more visibility or to help it get a higher priority for resolution. This is the core of, of many current social justice movements is to intentionally escalate a conflict to make it known more. And that's a valid and strategic action. Or sometimes the response might be to do nothing in a conflict and let it mature and gather some information before you choose to act. Or sometimes we're in triage mode and we just need to stop the bleeding. So what I want you to take away from this is that there is no single right answer when working through conflict, but there is a spectrum of more constructive versus destructive choices and actions. So now that we understand a little bit more of how to deconstruct conflict, let's talk about the skills that we need to move through it. And that's where conflict fluency comes into play. But you may have heard other terms around conflict. You may have heard the term conflict management, and that's not conflict fluency. And in fact, we're not in charge of a conflict. We're not managing it. And it's kind of delusional to think that we are in charge of it. So I don't really appreciate that term very much. You may have also heard conflict resolution. But as I said earlier, you might not actually resolve anything. There are polarities and there are intractable conflicts. So that term doesn't seem to resonate as well. It's also not negotiation where you say, all right, I'll give a little, but only if you do first, or we can meet right in the middle. We have to make it right to the middle with this compromise. Those are not the skills of conflict fluency. Conflict fluency is a set of skills and accepting that it's something that you can learn and practice and develop. It's a growth mindset, not something that we're born with or not. It's understanding how we show up in conflict. What is our conflict style and what does that mean for how we navigate conflict? It's also building up conflict tolerance. And I think this one is huge because we don't really do it enough. It's having an awareness of all those little conflicts and practicing in those. The more that you do it, 
the easier it can get. So building up that conflict tolerance. And then this is a special one for engineers because I've added two other words to my conflict fluency toolkit since becoming an engineer. And those words are iterative and incremental, words that are near and dear to any engineer's heart. Um, and so the reason I think that those matter for us in particular is because, well, I want you to imagine that there's, there's a conflict in front of you. And we tend to view conflict as a sort of a big ball of conflict and stress and emotion, and it might be all knotted and gnarly, and we just want to kick it down the street or hide it under a carpet. We really don't want to address it. It's pretty common. But if that ball of conflict instead was a technical blocker, something that we were working on, and it might be equally tangled and, and challenging, we would take our engineering skills and we would break that apart. We would find a small piece that we could identify and work on. We would try a solution and we would document what we tried. And if we needed to, we would bring in subject matter experts or other people to help mob or swarm until we had resolved the blocker. And so my hope in this engineering space um, is that we take those skills that we learn and use every single day in our work and that we sort of lift and shift them over towards conflict fluency, that, that working through conflict can also be iterative and incremental, and that we already have the background to do that. So some of the core areas of conflict fluency, some of the core skills, I've said a few already. First is viewing conflict as valuable. You have to see that it has value and that it can be a positive step toward change. Knowing yourself, understanding how you show up in conflict, I mentioned that but also that your reactions and your feelings are natural, normal, even just biological. So if you're a person who, when faced with conflict, gets a racing heartbeat or a fluttery voice or sweaty palms, that's okay. It's not good or bad. It's just information for you to have to understand how you move through conflict. We talk about the skills of reflection and reframing. So reflecting back to someone what you've heard. Talk about asking questions and seeking to understand versus seeking to win. Seeking to connect and ideally to maintain relationships. I think that can be a core part of mediation as well as conflict fluency. Um, if, if people don't wanna continue a relationship, then it might not be worth the time or effort to work through the conflict. So part of that is saying, yep, we do want to maintain this relationship. We want to work through this. And then practice, practice, practice. Remember, I have a music background. So this one comes maybe more naturally to me. Um, but keep at it. Keep practicing. Even do a dress rehearsal. So I want to take one example and kind of work through some of these skills. Imagine that you are relatively new. Remember that job I talked about where you have some, some extra money in your pocket now, and you're new on that team, and you're working with maybe a more senior engineer on the team, and that person says to you something like, you're really smart, much smarter than I thought. Okay, that could be an incident. Remember our cutting off in traffic? I would say if someone said, you're really smart, much smarter than I thought, that, that could be an incident toward conflict, definitely. It also could be the seeds of imposter syndrome, or it could be a form of a microaggression. You know, we don't actually have quite enough information yet. And so rather than 
reacting with those dragons or that flamethrower right at this point, this is where we could lean in to the opportunity to ask questions, one of those skills of conflict fluency. So someone says, you're really smart, much smarter than I thought. And you say, tell me more, what do you mean? What if the response is, well, I didn't pick this stuff up nearly as quickly as you are. I'm really impressed. Oh, okay, well, now we're in a different lane, right? We're in the lane of very poorly worded compliment. We're not necessarily in the conflict lane with this one. So it's good that we asked, but it also could be that the response would be something else. What if the response was, I guess I assumed a music grad wouldn't understand a lot of this, in my case, a music grad, or I guess I assumed a boot camp grad wouldn't understand a lot of this. So maybe some educational or background bias, maybe. Or what if it was something else? You know, we had a junior engineer, a woman on our team before, and she didn't understand anything. Okay, so now we have a little bit more information in this situation, and we might be hearing some hints of bias. So this is where you can adjust and adapt your response, right? You're trying to get more information, but rather than jump in with a defensive statement or, you know, a, a how dare you kind of statement, I don't know, whatever. Um, this is where you could get even more curious, get more curious. How many people like me have worked on the team before? Well, that's interesting. Why do you think that is? Because what if that answer was just one? There's been one other woman or junior engineer or bootcamp grad. So this person really hasn't had a lot of opportunity or exposure. Or what if that answer is there's been one every six months or year? So there's this, been this revolving door. Well, that's giving you some really good information about this team, right? So, so you've learned quite a bit in this conversation. And that's where I think then you can, again, adapt and adjust and also seek to connect. So maybe you could use yourself as an example. Since you shared with me that I surprised you in some ways, and I'll pause right there because I want you to note the positive reframe. Remember, we talked about reflection and reframing. So I wouldn't say back to this person, well, since you told me you think I'm stupid, that would be a reflection, but it would be reinforcing a negative thought. So instead we're gonna reframe in a positive way. Since you shared with me that I surprised you in some ways, I guess I'll share that I was kind of expecting you to not want to work with me based on some experiences I've had in the past. So I'm really grateful that you're teaching and I'm learning and we're working together, maybe. Again, there's no right answer. I'm not giving you a script for how to move through conflict, but just giving you some examples of how you can use these skills to, to have more ownership in the process of conflict fluency. So to recap, conflict has value. It's neither good nor bad. It's simply a part of human existence. And it happens when our very human differences become an issue. Normally those differences aren't a problem and we move through them, but when they become an issue, we can end up in conflict. Conflict takes a path, it has a journey from an incident to a conflict, but you have the opportunity to choose your own path forward. You have some agency, you have some autonomy and you can claim some ownership in the process, as long as you stay aware. 
you can disrupt or choose to escalate. It's up to you. And then lastly, that conflict fluency is a skill that takes practice, practice, and more practice. And that you can use your existing engineering skills to kind of break conflict apart. And I really want people to think about that. So again, thanks for listening. My name is Noelle Noderman. I am a conflict nerd. I love talking about it. So feel free to connect with me if you're interested in talking more. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.